Brothers and sisters, as the shepherd of this congregation, it is the highest honor I have in my life is to be the pastor of this church and to be a called minister of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit has been dealing with my heart to get us to revival. Now we're going to have a series of services beginning Sunday week that'll keep the revival flowing. It's a series of services from Sunday morning, Sunday evening through Wednesday. Speakers are praying and are prepared. Advertisements are going out. It'll be in the paper. It'll be on the internet. It'll be on our website. It's on the signs as you come in. The staff's praying. The elders are praying. I'm going to ask you to pray. You know what we're doing all this? We are in a preparatory mode. We're planning to be vessels that are emptied out of ourselves so that we can be full of God. I love to eat hot peppers. How is that going to relate to this message? Give me a minute. Oh, there are some brothers and sisters in this church know I love hot peppers. I'm from the Caribbean and I, we just eat it hot there. Jamaicans, can I get an amen? amen? All you West Indians, you know what I'm talking about. Then some of you Americans can now eat us with hot peppers. So there are two or three brothers in the church who bring me the hot peppers. One guy, one of my, one of my brothers in the church here who used to be an elder but, but now is not an elder because of his, the time limitation and all. He brought me this morning in the first service uh, one of these Ziploc bags, cayenne peppers. He said, Pastor, I don't eat them. It bothers me. I got ulcers. But I know you eat them. And I bought these pepper plants to grow peppers for you. Then another brother, Leo, Brother Leo, Hauk. Every summer, plant peppers. He don't eat them. His wife don't eat them. And when he brings them to me, I got like a Walmart bag full of them. On your way out, if you'd like a few, and you're not on fire, see me. But here's, here's the reason I'm saying that. For me to get peppers in July, Leo and Eddie's got to plant them some months earlier. Can I get a witness? You understand what I'm saying? For me to get that, that flavor I want, I can't just wish for it. It's got it's to have a ground prepared. And the seedlings got to be put in there or the little plant. And they got to nurture it and get it to where it needs. Not, not peppers ain't your favorite. Some of you like squash. God have mercy on you. <laughs> Broccoli. I, I like squash if you do it a certain I'm not against that, okay? So don't be mad at me because you'll miss the whole message because you're mad at me about squash. <laughs> Some of you like, I mean, I love vine-wrapped tomatoes. We ain't going to lunch just yet now till after the sermon, okay? But you, you see what I mean? Oh, the best tomatoes are vine-wrapped tomatoes. My daughter, uh, Kimberly, she likes cucumber sandwiches. Well, she's pregnant now, and she's allowed that mess. But, you know, just different things that we enjoy. How about cantaloupes? You all with me out there? Watermelons. Oh, but it's got, the soil's got to be prepared. And then you've got to put some fertilizer along the way. Then you've got to water it in due time. And then you've got to put some more fertilizer. And then you've got to get your hoe and weed out the weed. Can I get a witness here? Weed out the weeds. So you can get the fruit. And what I'm trying to do this morning in Second Chronicles chapter 34 is to point out to you what it takes to get a personal revival that leads to a family revival. 
that leads to a South Metro Ministry Congregation Revival. That leads to a Coweta County, Fayette County, Fulton, Clayton County, whatever you live, revival. That leads to a Atlanta and to a Georgia and America revival. The preachers of yesteryear who know about revival, one in particular said, in order for you to have a revival that leads to other areas of our life, what you should do is draw a circle on the ground. Draw a circle. Step in the circle and say, Lord, begin a revival in this circle, in me, and move it in every direction outside of this circle. Can I get an amen here? And so, you know, in Georgia, we still have drought on our mind. This summer and spring has been better with the rain. And so some water restrictions have been lifted. But not too far back in the mind of our county and city officials is the idea that we cannot lift all the bans for watering and washing your cars and watering your gardens. Because we're still in the recovery mode of the drought. Can I get an amen? Amen. But have you noticed after it rains? Have you noticed the grass is greener? I notice it. Have you noticed it seemed like the flowers that got wet and got nourished are brighter? Have you noticed the streams are flowing fuller and the reservoir and the lakes are higher? Somebody give me a witness here. Have you noticed that all of creation is alive? The cracked, parched, dry places in the yard begins to kind of cement back together. When the rain comes, you listen to me and hear me just a moment this morning. Just like nature and outside goes through dry places, so do Christians. Did anybody hear me? Just like uh, a southern part of the United States are going through a drought and you got to have rain to live. I'm saying to you that even though you've been saved five years, ten years, twenty years, or last year, you are going to go through some dry places in your walk with God. There are going to be times the river is dried up and the lake is dried up. and You read your Bible and you don't get like you used to get. You come to church and you can't feel what you want to feel. Not your backslidden, not that you're a heathen, but there's a real devil who wants to steal your revival and steal your witness. And so every once in a while, just like you got to pray, God, send the rain so the land will be refreshed. Somebody help me preach. Every once in a while, you and I got to crawl back to the altar in the church or the altar at our house or the altar in our car or wherever you pray. And you say, God, send the rain of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say praise the Lord? My soul is dry. I'm not a sinner and I'm not a heathen, but the Bible is not as vital as it used to be. My prayer life is dried up. My relationship with you is kind of dry. And oh, God, send the former rain and the latter rain and let me get into the river so out of my belly once again shall flow the fire of God and the river of God. If you're a candidate, put your hands together and praise Him. Let me give you some definitions here that helps us to understand where we're headed. Revival is defined as a bringing or coming back into use after a decline. Revival is seen as restoration to vigor or activity. Some of you have already been on vacation this summer. Others of you are yet to go. But you deliberately look forward to it. 
If you're like me, you plan it months ahead. And you kind of specialize and select and save money so you can go. And it's not always because you want to go a different place every time. And if you do, that's fine. But what you're really after is a time of refreshing. Can I get an amen here? When you go on summer vacation or whenever you take a few days off, you want to get away from the nuts and the bolts of daily life. You want to get away from the pressure and the grind of the 7 in the morning to 7 in the evening or 8 in the morning to 8 in the evening. Or you may go on in third shift, 11 at night till 7 in the morning. You want to get away from the routine. You like your job. You like what you do. But you got to get renewed. Can I get an amen here? And so you go to the beach or you go to the mountain or you go to the lake or you go to grandma's or wherever you want to go because you want to get revived vigor and activity revival is defined as a stirring of religious faith among those who've been indifferent i wish that everybody who got saved in this church in the last years of the church being the church and this church is let's see uh over 34 years old i wish that everybody that got saved in this ministry that is still in the local area and live in the area were still in this church do you know we couldn't hold them if they were can I get an amen here? I, I, I wish that the people that you knew who started serving God when you started serving God and used to go to church with in a different place, maybe a different town before you moved here, I wish they were still saved. Can I get another amen here? I wish everybody who used to sing in the choir for the Lord in different churches, including this one, was still with us. I wish everybody who used to, who used to teach Sunday school class was still teaching classes. I wish everybody that was called to the ministry to be a pastor, evangelist, or missionary was still doing that. I, I wish everybody who were called to work with youth and children and and, and who worked in the jail ministry, who worked in the nursing home ministry, who worked in the recovery house ministry, or who even worked in charitable organizations like we have here, Joseph Stowhouse. I wish everybody who started out serving God with the passion and fervor that they started upon conversion was still burning with the fire of God. But somewhere along the way in their journey, the devil threw out a lure, a temptation, a come back to the old, and they went back and they're backslidden. And we need to pray that there'll be a return to religious faith. Charles G. Feeney was born in 1792, died in 1875. Charles G. Feeney was a powerful Presbyterian preacher in the 19th century. He was so consecrated to God, full of the Holy Spirit, unashamed of the truth and the gospel, and was so prayed up that God used them mightily in our American history in a period of time known as a second great awakening. Meaning the great awakening back to the power of God. Charles G. Feeney defined revival in many ways, but one in particular are these words. Revival is the renewal of the first love of Christians. Can you say amen to that? Do you remember, as Pastor J.C. alluded to earlier, when you first got saved? I mean, when God convicted you, you heard a sermon or a song, you went to a revival, you went to a Sunday service, you went to a Sunday school class, and the Lord, the Word of God, the singing touched you and you knew that if you died without giving your heart to Jesus, obviously you'd go to hell. And you had baggage and stuff in your life and addiction and bondage and all 
kinds of behaviors that you could not change, though anybody could change. But God changed you. And you are, some of you are sitting around today, and if you told us your testimony, we would never believe that you were what you were, a low-down, no-good scoundrel. Because God so changed you. You're not that now. Uh, what I'm saying to you is, do you remember when you got saved? You, did, you didn't just come to church with your Bible, New Testament. You came to church with the family, big Bible, that sits on the coffee table under your arm. That nobody reads now. Man, you, you wouldn't just come to Sunday morning church. You'd come to Wednesday night church. When you first got saved, you'd come to Sunday night, Wednesday night church. You'd go to prayer meetings all over the place. You were so full. God, save me. Jesus, save me. I got a river in me. God's changed my life. And everywhere they have in church and revival and prayer meeting, I want to be there because look at what God has done. Your first love. You never had to be asked to read the Bible. You never had to be asked to have personal prayer. You never had to be asked to come to church. You never had to be asked to bring your tithe and offerings. You love God so much. You realize He gives you your job, your house, and everything, and you just want to give to help somebody else. Remember when you, well, if, if that don't get you, let's see if this will. Remember when you first fell in love with your true love? I mean, for me it was Valerie, my wife of 30 years. First love. You, you, you know, you ever heard of first love? Man, I met Valerie and her family at 11 years old when her father, who was then pastoring a church in South Atlanta, invited my father and our family, who had recently come from Trinidad to America to live. Pastor Gan, Valerie's father, invited my father to come and preach a revival. And our family went. And we met Valerie and her family. And my, si my sister Ruth and Valerie became friends from then on. And then Valerie and I uh, were at Lee University together. And my sister Ruth became Valerie's roommate. There was my point of contact. <laughs> I have three sisters. Not had a whole lot of use for them growing up, but that was one time that it was. <laughs> I love them dearly now. Somebody says, distance makes the heart grow fonder. They live far away from here, and I'm very fond of them. They probably say the same thing of me, and they're going to get this tape maybe and not get it from them. Oh, let me tell you something about it. Let me tell you something about it. First love. That, those were the days when it was covered up. <laughs> covered up. Those were the days when youthfulness, you know, I was young. You remember Mr. Atlas, the statue of Mr. Atlas, lifting up the world? That wasn't me, but I was on my way. <laughs> and, and, I, and I had my first date with Valerie at Lee University. Oh, my, my, my. Beautiful, long, blonde hair, and just a southern Georgia peach. She'd say, come at 6 o'clock to the dorm to pick her up. And I'd get there about 15 to 6. Don't mind the way. And just as girls do, they never show up at 6 o'clock. They say 6, be ready to pick them up about 6.15. But that was my date that would eventually be my first love. And they were just juices and adrenaline flowing. If he's 15 minutes later, we'd make up for it later on because I was with Valerie. Man, come to the car. I had a 68 Plymouth Valiant. That was 1976. I'm talking about it. Uh, that Plymouth Valiant, if you press too much on the brakes, you'd go right through the floor like Fred Flintstone's car. <laughs> but I had it, and I'd wash it and clean it. I opened the door for Valerie. First true love. 
sit in. We go to the renowned, world-renowned restaurant of Crystal's hamburgers. <laughs> when you're on a college student income, you don't go to no Longhorns. What are you? Stricken with Dom or unless you got parents paying your way. Go in, order, open the door, sit down. We walk to the mall together. I got no dime in my pocket but holding hands. My hands were sweating and her hands were sweating and we needed to release so we could wipe our palms. But that wasn't going. No. First love. You know how first love changes? Get married six months later, a year later. You say to your wife, we're leaving at six o'clock. I'll be in the car. Come meet me. You go to the mall to walk, you know, when you first love, you hold your hands. You go to the mall after you get married and you kind of the fire, the first love fade. You're down there about three blocks in the mall. She's back here wasn't for your cell phone. You'd never find her. <laughs> Things change, don't they? How many of you know, and those of us who are married know, who've been married know that marriage needs to be rekindled with the fire of romance along the way? Can I get away? How many know just like... Just like our bodies need refreshing and a little time off. How many know that marriage needs to be fed the components of love and affection along the way? And so you don't just send cards on Valentine's Day to keep romance and marriage and love. You send it at other times and they don't expect it. You, you tell them, you embrace them. You, you don't have to send a whole rose garden, but you can send at least one flower. And I can get, I just see some husbands now, they're getting the nudge or the pinch. Keep preaching, Pastor, the women are saying. One occasion, one day in particular, I sent an arrangement. I had the florist deliver an arrangement to Valerie at work. And that same day, she had the florist send an arrangement to the house for me. Isn't that special? You know what's also special? I end up paying for both arrangements. Anyhow... This is something about first love. Amen? And, and I do marital counseling. And the staff, Pastor Jeff, do marital counseling. We are glad to do marital counseling as the Lord helps us. But listen to me. What I say about this is for your marriage to thrive and for you to get back to the romance of the youthful days of your marriage, you have got to come aside and rekindle that spirit of affection and trust and bond and love. Sometimes you've got to get away from the kids a little bit, make sure they're well supervised, and get away together. And so it is with our spiritual person. Can I get another amen? God, I want to love reading my Bible again. God, I want to love going to church again. God, I want to love the worship service again. God, I want to love being involved in ministry again. God, I remember what it was when I felt the power of God and hot tears and run down my cheeks because the anointing would be on me. I was washed and cleansed again. I want revival, God. Let, Let me show you something. Charles G. Finney traveled through much of the eastern part of the United States in 1834, lecturing on revivals. The same Charles G. Finney, he was so full of the Spirit of God, on one occasion he went into a mill, like a cotton mill. He went into a mill to observe the, the production of cloth and, and the cotton products. He wasn't there for revival, he wasn't there to preach, he wasn't there to do a lunch devotion. But he was so prayed up and full of the Holy Spirit that when he was touring the cotton mill, some of those operating the heavy machinery and operating other kinds of equipment, under the conviction of God, because the man of God was so full of the power of God, they would stop the machinery, drop on their knees, didn't know why, but they would turn their hearts to God and be saved. 
On one occasion, Charles G. Finney's train stopped in a particular town to refuel and to reload and to get other passengers and to deliver some. And he was so prayed up, full of the Holy Ghost, such a revivalist and a man of God. The train stopped at the station. He was only there for a little while. But the conviction of God from this man of God was so powerful until a few blocks away, there was a bar, a salon back there, a saloon rather, that, that, that they were there drinking is what I meant to say. And, and the conviction of God, this man didn't come to preach. It was a train depot. He was just waiting for other passengers to get on board. And the conviction of God was so powerful until those in the saloon began to bow down, cry and pray. And he walked over there and people were saved just because of the anointing of God upon him. Wouldn't you like to be that kind of Christian? Can somebody say praise the Lord? But here, here are some conditions, Charles Giffini said in 1834 when he gave these lectures. These are conditions that exist that tell us that revival is needed. When I show them to you, you'll think he's talking about 2009, July 12. And that's over a hundred and more years ago. Revival is needed when there are jealousies, bitterness, and evil speaking among Christians. Give me a witness here, somebody. You know why in some town there's a First Assembly of God Church and Second Assembly of God Church? You know why in some towns there's a First Baptist and a Second Baptist? Not because all of these churches, some are, but not because all of them were evangelistic and wanted to branch out from the mother church. It's because some of them couldn't get along. My brothers and sisters, let me tell you, revival is needed so that we build up one another. Can I get another amen? If all we come into church for is to see who's dressing and what and who's sitting where and, and who's going through a divorce or who's gotten married or who's dating who. And, uh, if, if all we come to church for is to condemn and criticize and find fault so we can get on the internet and get on the phone and talk about our brother and sister in a bad way, it's a wrong motive for coming to church. We need a revival. Amen. Charles Giffini says over 150 years ago, when the church becomes worldly in attire, parties, amusement, reading, and entertainment, we need a revival. You ought to help me preach or I'll preach by myself. Huh? I'm telling you, buddy, it's terrible when you have to have a dress code for the church. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, somebody says, Pastor, you need a, you need a vacation. No, I, I've got power from the last one I had. Uh, he, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. There are people building churches on mu- amusements and worldly entertainment. Our commission is to build the church on thus saith the word of God. Somebody give a Lord a hand clap of praise. Look, look at this. Revival is needed when professing Christians fall into gross and scandalous sins. I don't know how more plainly I can be in my preaching. Those of you that are regular attenders here, you know that I don't just cut the corners and, and, and cover up stuff. You know I'm not a generic preacher, okay? You know I love you and I care about you as a shepherd. And while I don't try to insult you, I name sin when I preach. Okay? But for the life of me, I don't understand how some people under this kind of preaching and preaching similar to it in other churches can continue to live scandalously in sin when the conviction of God through the Word of God is trying to draw them. There are occasions when the Holy Spirit will show me situations or things will come to my knowledge as a pastor. And I've had to call people into the office in love and gentle rebuke. Because among other things that I do here as your pastor, I am responsible to keep this house holy. Did anybody hear what I said? One of my responsibilities, if I know there are leaders in our church or volunteers in ministry in our church involved in situations that are questionable or sinful when it comes to my attention, my responsibility is to pray and then call them in or go to them in Christ-like love and ask them about it. And if there's no truth to it, then wash our hands of it. If there's truth to it, then we deal with it in repentance and prayer and restoration. I've called people in. 
Recently I had to do that about two months ago to someone. And the person sat in my office and totally denied the accusation concerning their lifestyle. And the Holy Spirit, see, you can get by Pastor Allen. Pastor Allen can get by my overseer. I can get by, I can get by my mother and father, I think, sometimes. I can get by you and you can get by me, but we cannot get by if we're Christians by the power of the Holy Ghost. God loves us too much to allow us to go into hell without giving us warning signs. I said to the gentleman, this has come to my knowledge. I said to the staff, I told them what I was dealing with. They are very supportive and loving, and it only took about three weeks after that for the Holy Ghost to bring it to the open. You know, the Bible says that God will give us opportunities to repent in private, time and time again. But if we don't repent in private, what we do in the closet will be revealed on the housetop. I'd rather the Lord deal with me in private and me get it right. Okay, let, let, let me show you something else. Revival is needed, and I need to hurry here. Revival is needed when a spirit of controversy prevails among Christians. How many know we need to be united? Say amen. amen. Oh, you know what I love about this church? We got red people, white people, black people, brown people, purple people, all kind of people, people. I love the variety. You and I love it because we wouldn't be here if we didn't love it. The fact of the matter is, we, this congregation, is just a small picture of what heaven's going to look like. But there shouldn't be controversy among us. There should be unity and love and fellowship. We need revival when the wicked triumph and mock at the church. Give me an amen, somebody. Islam can get away with all kinds of gross doctrine and behavior in our country. But you let Christians rise up and preach about God and preach against sin, and we get persecuted. The brunt of the jokes of the Hollywood crowd and the late night show people... A Pentecostal Christian God-fearing people. Help me preach all this. You know how I do. But just because the wicked rise up and mock and scoff at the church, doesn't mean we close down shop. (laughs) That means that we keep pressing on. Because the world didn't give what we have to us. Somebody say amen. The world didn't save us. The world didn't sanctify us. The world didn't baptize us with the Holy Ghost. The world didn't write our name in God's roll book in heaven. And when the trumpet sounds, the world's not going to keep us from going up. So laugh and mock and scoff if you want to. I love you and I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to keep on revival and serving God. Because one day I'm going to be with the Lord. Come on somebody give him praise. We need revival when sinners are careless and going to hell unconcerned. Give me a witness here. Our duty as Christians is to awake them like that of a fireman in case of a fire. Let me tell you something I confess to you this morning. When I'm talking about preparing you for revival, I'm preparing me. I confess to you this morning that there are times when I did not care as much as I needed to care for sinners and ungodly people. There were some times when I just, when I was so frustrated by it, the more I pray, the more I seek God, the more I try to help some people, the worse they got. And that's just how the devil would have me be and separate myself from them. Can somebody help me preach here? How many know if you're trying to lead somebody to Christ and you're praying over them, the devil's going to do his dead level best to resist your efforts and make them worse before you can try to get them better? But don't stop. You and I, listen to me, brothers and sisters, and I need to hurry because I got more to say than I have time to say. Hear me, somebody. 
Your job and my job, you don't have to be a clergyman. You don't have to have credentials to preach. You don't have to be a missionary or pastor. But every one of you that's ever been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ have a testimony that somebody else needs to know that you were once that, but God made you this, and now you're going there. I used to be, but now I am, and God's not finished with me. And what God did for me, He can do for you also. Every one of us are evangelists. Let me show you what God did through Josiah. In the Old Testament, chapter 34 of 2 Chronicles. And you're not open there yet. Open it now if you will. This entire chapter talks about a time in Judah, Israel. People of God. When a young king came to power. And when he came to power, the nation of Judah, the people of God, were backslidden. They were in gross sin. They had violated the Ten Commandments. They had intermarried with pagan men and women. They had worshipped idols and idol gods that were imaged after gods of fertility and sexual perversion. They had forgotten the blessing, the favor of God who gave them land, who gave them houses, who gave them crops, who gave them conquest over their enemies. And when Josiah came to power... Judah was in a moral mess like America today is in a moral mess. And the Bible said, the first thing he realized, if this nation was going to return to God, and the individuals were, is they had to pray. Prayer will do for you what nothing else can do for you. Oh, help me somebody. Let me, let me tell you this. You and I are responsible for our own revival first. I can't eat your food and you get strength. You got to pray. I got to pray for myself. Give me a witness, somebody. Your mother could pray for you. Your daddy, the pastor, the elders. But your marriage will be fixed when you pray. Your mind, that you have panic attacks and demons affect your mind. When you pray, yes, ask others to pray. Your son or daughter that's rebellious in jail or in prison or on drugs or alcohol or hanging with the wrong crowd, you got to pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Prayer will do what no other power can do. When Peter was in jail and the next day he was going to die for preaching the gospel. In the book of Acts, they called a prayer meeting some distance away from the jailhouse. And they had a cottage prayer meeting praying all night. And in the midst of their praying a few blocks from the jail or maybe a mile or so. And the jail over here, God sent an angel to the prison. And opened up the prison door like an automatic door when you go to the department store. And the prison was open. The angel called Peter out. And when Peter stepped out, the chains fell off his wrists. Oh, I feel a whoop glory coming on. The chains fell off his feet. And the, the, when he stepped out, the, he went out into the open night early in the morning. And he made his way to the prayer meeting and knocked on the door. And when he knocked on the door, the folks were shocked and surprised that the thing they were praying for, God did. Have you ever been like that? 
Huh? How many know God answers prayers? Amen. Paul and Silas were locked up in a jailhouse in the city of Philippi. They were beaten with rods and with stripes. And the next day they were going to go before a trial that might take their life. But the Bible said at midnight they sang hymns to the other prisoners and they prayed to God. And when they prayed to God, God gave them the jailhouse rock like Elvis never know and let them free. Somebody say amen. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Daniel was thrown in a lion's den by wicked men who didn't like his God or him. But God shut the mouth of the lions and changed the appetite because prayer will do what no other power will do. Somebody say amen. Hannah in the Old Testament was a barren woman who could not have a child and other women mocked her. But she kept going to church and kept praying. Kept going to church and kept praying. And one day she felt... The, the little throbbing in her womb and another day she felt a little more kicking because when she prayed it did for her what no other power can do prayer will bring revival to you if you'll pray give the Lord thanks <laughs> Josiah repaired the house of the Lord when Josiah got to the house of the Lord as king it had been abused the glory of God had departed they had turned the house of God into a place of merchandise. They made a part of the house of God like a warehouse, like you go store stuff. You see, this is the same temple. When Solomon built, years and years before, on the day of the dedication of the house of God, Solomon prayed a prayer of dedication, and the Bible says, fire came from heaven and burned up the animal sacrifices. That were offered to God. And smoke from heaven. Not smoke that took you and gag you and make you sick. Smoke. Holy cloud. A holy cloud. Oh, Jesus. Do it somehow, somehow. How would you do it right now at South Metro Ministries? It represented the glory of God. And it filled the house. And the priest and the other servants in the temple could not go in the house for hours. Because of the glory. But now, Josiah had to go in and take out all the trash and the garbage and all the misuse of the house. Now listen to me. This house that you're worshiping is the house of God. And we do repairs and you've helped us with our M&M projects. But you know what this is talking about here? God is saying, I don't so much need to repair the walls, the parking lot, and the carpet at South Metro Ministry. The house is Allen. The house is Dennis. And the house is every one of you here. You are in the temple. Tell somebody, say amen. And instead of all of us spending time repairing everybody else's business, God, I want you to repair. My body is the temple of God. Somebody say amen. I need to be repaired. My attitude needs to be repaired. Somebody say amen. My bitterness, when I have it, needs to be repaired. My unforgiving spirit needs to be repaired. I need to repair my eyes so I don't look at something that causes sin in my life. Can somebody say amen? I need to repair my mouth so I don't say cuss words. I need to repair my hands so I don't swing them in anger and cause damage. Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm not talking about new shingles and new carpet, though we need it along the way. I'm talking about the people who come to the house of God. God 
need to present ourselves like a living sacrifice on the altar of God and say, God, repair me and fix me. If you're a candidate, give the Lord praise here. Oh, Holy Ghost, help me. I need to find a place to... Let me move on. Josiah reverenced, respected, and returned to the Word of God. When they were cleaning up the temple, when Josiah was getting the whole nation back for revival, he was ashamed at how people had departed from the law of God. Somebody helping clean up the temple in chapter 34, you read about him, found the words of the law. Let me, let me flip over to the next slide. Look at chapter 34, verse 31. When they found the word of the God, Lord, the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord. And to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to reform or perform the works of the covenant that were written in the book. You know what happened? But listen, I'm not trying to bore you or just go on. But I, I got a word I got to give you here now. I'll soon be finished, but listen. When they found the law of God in some closet in the temple somewhere that was abandoned, some old parchment, some old scroll, and they carefully opened it up, somebody rushed to the king Josiah and says, we found the law of God. He said, bring it here. And when they read it to him, he ripped his clothes. It was a sign of repentance and remorse. Pardon me if you think this is sacrilegious or irreverent, and I'm not trying to be. But what he, what he thought is, his emotion was kind of, oh my Lord, my God, have we strayed so far from the word? This is not the popular kind of preaching in politically correct America today. And some people won't like it and they'll go someplace else where it won't be touched. But adultery is wrong. The word says it. For man to sleep with another man's wife, or a woman to sleep with another person's husband, another woman's husband, is adultery. Sex outside of marriage is fornication. I don't care if in, I do care, but in school they pass out birth control to the girls and birth control devices to the guys. That doesn't make it right. It's wrong. It's sin. It's sin for a man to be with a man in a relationship like a man and woman should be in marriage. I'm not trying to make, I'm just telling you that we have gone so far from this book. And no wonder we, when we get our theology from the likes of Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil and David Letterman, I'm preaching. Yeah. I've cleared some territory to get some more thinking. I'm preaching. I know I've got some strange looks here. Uh, uh, it, it may be a different look that I have today. and Don't worry about it. Because one, Monty, Monty Addis, she's precious. She was in the first service. I didn't know she was here. And I've known Monty all her life. Her father passes in Tacoa, And her grandparents and parents are 10 here aunts. And Kimberly and Monty, they work together at the same place where they do hair and cosmetic and that's. And Kimberly, Kimberly said, Dad, I want to bring you into the 21st century with your look. And so Monty said this to me. She said, Pastor, if you shave your head and grow your goatee and get you some dark rim glasses, Sister Valerie will go wild. (laughs) 
Sister Valerie's not in this service. I just want to tell you, I've done my part. I'm waiting on Sister Valerie. you're saying pastor I'm looking for a revival okay 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 that's as far as I'm going here's what I'm saying to you times change people change I know we're living a different time and you'll change too but the message doesn't change and the messenger doesn't change huh? and if I ever get to compromise in his word you know if one day I come in here and half my head's purple and the other's yellow love me but if I change a word come see me okay, okay what, 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 I'm, what I'm saying to you is this respect reverence and honor the word of God that'll bring us revival oh God help me I, I gotta hurry here Look at this, and this will be my final thought. Josiah rebuked and renounced the sinfulness of his day. And, and look, look in chapter 34, everybody, and look at verses 3 and following. Are you there? Say amen. Come, Pastor Zach, please, to the music. Look, everybody in the scripture, are you near somebody who has one? Look with them. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he, Josiah, began to seek the God of his father David. And in his welfare he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. Look at verse 4. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down, and the wooden images, and the carved images, and the molded images he broke in pieces, and he made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Look at verse 5. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, let me show you what's going on. This man said, you know what? We're not only going to confront our sins by tearing down all these altars to false gods and tearing all these images to false gods. Even the priests who died years and years ago, many years ago, the priests who were operating as priests but were pagan who have died... And buried and led you Israelites into sin, we're going to dig up their bones. And we're going to burn it on the altar. How many know when you're dealing with issues, you sometimes got to go back and pull some stuff out and put it on the altar. Oh, help me, Jesus. And so here are my closing thoughts. I want you to get this. Take me to the next slide. You know which one it is about when you know you're dry. How do you know when you're getting dry? Spiritually dry. I won't preach them all. I'll just give them to you from the Holy Ghost. Listen, listen to this. I started this sermon about rain. Remember I started talking about rain? How do you know as you walk with God that you may be getting spiritually dry and you need rain from heaven? When there's no desire for Bible study and prayer. Oh, let me tell you. Sometimes I read the Bible out of habit and I don't get much out of it. Because my eyes on the page but my mind someplace else but if I read it anyhow and I keep the habit I'll get more out of it by staying true there are times I read it and I don't understand it so I go to go dig a little further it's not it's not that you got to read four chapters a day wouldn't it be great if you could gas up your car 
in January, on January 1, gas up your automobile, both of your cars, three cars, whatever you have, and never have to refill with gas until next January because you got enough gasoline? How many of that ain't never going to happen? Here's something else. Wouldn't it be good if you could eat January 1, get your belly full, and be okay for the next 365 days? How many know it would be good if you just eat breakfast and be good for the rest of the day? But you know that ain't working because we have to be refueled. No more so than you can read your Bible once a month and think you're going to be okay. Pray once a month and think you'll be okay. No more so. So, you know you're getting dry when spiritual conversation embarrasses you or is avoided. You remember when you were bold and you'd lead the conversation about God and somebody started a cuss word or... or or somebody abused the name of God and you'd rebuke them. But now you're thinking, what's the use? I'm so surrounded by vulgarity and all. Uh, just let it go. No, don't let it go. If you can't correct them, correct them. Walk out of the room. Go someplace else. Don't let that jump rub off on you. You know when you're getting dry? is when you rationalize sin. You say it's not really sin. It's a mistake. God knows. I'm saved anyhow and I'm going to heaven. You rationalize, you think you have a license to sin. God never gives a license to sin. It's a mockery to keep sinning after Jesus died for our sins. It's a mockery to keep stepping over the blood of Jesus Christ, thinking we go to heaven and keep sinning. That ain't going to happen. You know you're getting dry when you can quote scripture and attend service, but it doesn't make a difference in your life. Can I get a witness here? Would you go for a college education if it's not going to do you any good? Would you go for a graduate diploma if it wasn't going to do you any good? You wouldn't. Quote scripture, 10 church, because it is the gas station you go to. It is the refueling station. Here's, here's when you know you're getting dry, and I'm, I'm hurrying. You know you're getting dry when you, life revolves around money or things. You know you're getting dry when it no longer bothers you that others are in misery and are lost. You know you're getting dry when worship and service to God doesn't excite you. You know you're getting dry when you don't have blessed assurance. All I'm going to ask you to do in the next few moments as I close. And I do apologize for just going on. I, I got a, Time got away. I didn't realize. I, I'm sorry. I apologize for that part, but not for the content. I want revival for us. That's what I want. I want to see your eyes glow again for some of you. I want to see your body healed. I want to see your marriage blessed. I want to see your money blessed. I want to see your out of your belly flow rivers of living water. Stand, please, would you? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make an altar where I am, and I'm going to ask you to make an altar where you stand. And for about two minutes, I'm going to ask you to respond to this message this morning. I'm, and for the next two minutes, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud, loud enough for you to hear yourself. Because I believe there's something about crying out that's different than just being quiet. Sometimes it's good to be quiet. Other times you've got to cry out. Some people get mad and they say, you know what? Uh, everybody praying in the church at one time, that's distracting or confusing. No, it isn't. God's got seven billion people in the world and they speak multiple languages at different times of the day and he hears them all at the same time and loves them. But I want you out of the belly and most being say, God, I know other people need revival, but right now I need a revival. I've been in the wilderness. I have not read like I should or prayed like I should or been burdened like I should. 
God, I got people in my family need saved, and I really haven't been concerned as I should. I want you to let it rain on me today. Raise up both your hands to God. Raise up your hands. Raise your voices. Starting now. Come on, pray out loud. Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus, we need you. Come on, pray out loud. Father, I have been guilty of not reading the Bible and getting what I need like I should. I've been guilty of reading it to tell somebody I read it, but not because I love it. Forgive me. Come on, pray. Oh, God, let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain on us today. God, sometimes I come to church and more concerned about my seating or my parking and what time we get now than worshiping God. Forgive me, Lord. Oh, God, forgive me for being somebody who criticizes and find fault with others when I should be getting the beam out of my eyes before I deal with the speck in somebody. Come on, pray out loud, church. Come on, raise up those hands. Forgive us, oh God. Forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. Forgive us for looking at stuff we shouldn't look at. Forgive us for going places we shouldn't go. Forgive us for hanging around people who lead us the wrong way. Forgive me, God. Come on, come on, pray. I put myself on the altar. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my motives. Come on, you're doing good. Cleanse my speaking. Oh, Holy Ghost, come rain, rain. Let it rain, let it rain. God, I want you to let the Holy Ghost rain on this church. God, the devil's attacked marriages and I rebuke him. Devil have attacked the church and I rebuke him. Cleanse us, O Lord. Come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I love you, Lord. Sing that. Let it rain. Is that the one you're playing? We're going to pray a song. This is a prayer and a song. Say it. Let it rain. Come on. Tell them with your voices. places to go and things to do but I just feel a little bit of a resistance that hasn't freed me up to let you go I feel a little bit of a heaviness I feel like that God would do just a little bit more here this morning if I would obey him and tell you that this we got to have a little bit more power in the spiritual before I let you go this morning we got a little bit more pulling down some strongholds I felt like many of you prayed because I asked you to do, but I felt like not enough of us have really prayed here. 
could you just step out of your shell and step out of your little sphere of world or pride and crowd to God with me for another minute? Could you just do that? Could some of you more seasoned people lift up your hands at me and ask God for revival? And others of you that are younger in the faith, lift it up and cry out to God, whatever he tells you. Come on, do it again. Oh God. You know I'm not just trying to create emotions here. If you got the gift of tongues, I want you to pray in tongues and pray out loud. Come on. I want to pull down some strongholds before I go home. Demons of hell, I cast you out. Demons of distractions, I cast Here we go. for giving me that, that, that sound that I need. In the name of Jesus, let it rain here today. Let people who live around this church come under conviction and run here for salvation. Let people who drive on the road be drawn here for revival. I gotta have revival, God. Holy Ghost. Yes, yes, yes. Now you're doing it. Now you're doing it. Now If I wasn't saved, I'd come to the altar right now if I were you. Pray, saints. If I was backslidden, if I knew if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. I'd leave that pew right now and run down to this aisle and come to this altar and give my heart to Jesus. Pray, saints. Pray, saints. If you are dry and barren and you feel like you're backslidden, pray, 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 somebody. I'd leave that pew and say, God, I don't want to be dry anymore. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost Church. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are letting it rain. No, Jesus, I present this church to you. Holy Ghost, come and touch us today. Holy Ghost, come and revive us. I bless you, Jesus. Sing that again. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. Everybody worshiping. I need about another minute of this. service and he told me to repeat it here come on as if you will come and prepare yourself here's